0: It's going to feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody,
1: please put a thumb in the air. Hey.
2: Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Wow. (laughs) The Flyers Flyers are the hottest team in hockey, fam. You know, when they went on their little West Coast trip and they beat up on some just garbage teams, it's like, oh, well, that's nice for them. You know, they're better than the worst teams who are losing on purpose. Uh and now they're back and they're beating good teams. Uh they shut out the highest scoring team in hockey. Uh they beat a Washington team that's been on fire for like 2 months and here we are 7 points out of the playoffs. <laughs> yep, I'm keeping track. At here the halfway we go. they just passed the halfway point last night game 42. They beat those caps, Travis Konechny. Uh, One of the leading scorers in hockey. We're going to get to all that and more on today's show, so let's get right into it. Lead things off with Stephelicious D, Steph Driver.
1: I'm so mad that I like this team again, that I'm enjoying watching them. Like, it makes me so angry, but also, it's fun. Uh, uh So I don't actually hate it, (laughs) but I hate it. I'm sitting there
2: watching the game with Ava last night, and she's like, they've been doing pretty well, huh? I was like, yeah, for some fucking reason. Like, she sees me (laughs) mad. Like, Travis Konechny puts it, Lawton makes that Mike Richards-esque play to get the puck to Konechny for the hat trick on the empty net. And she's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'm like, is it? (laughs) Is it, though? (laughs) But it's very cool, especially for, for content purposes. We actually have things to talk about, so that's fun. There's stuff going on, on and off the ice. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie
0: O'Connor. Yeah, to be clear, I still don't think the Flyers are good. But but, as someone who is literally required to watch every Flyers game, (laughs) and personally, I watch every Flyers game multiple times because then I go back and track the games afterwards. It is extremely relieving that I am no longer watching a total dumpster fire. Like, I am not. I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But it is much more enjoyable to watch a not-disastrous hockey team versus a disastrous hockey team. So as long as this lasts, and I'll be honest, I don't think this is going to last a lot longer. I think they're probably going to come back to Earth. But these last couple weeks have been kind of neat. Not going to lie.
1: <laughs> so... Last night I found myself thinking while watching while watching the game against the Caps where they're scoring all the goals, I I had Bill Matz's voice in my head.
2: That's a shame.
1: (laughs) It's it was terrifying. But you always say when they're losing, it's just one game. During a blowout loss, it just counts. It's just one game. And that's all I could think during the winning. It's just one game. It's okay if they're gonna score eight goals. It's just one game. It's 6-7
2: and 8-12, of 12, though.
1: Like, it's not just one game. It's, it's more than the one it's, game.
2: It's sustained. Now, like, yeah, when they run into Toronto, they get the shit kicked out of them because Toronto's one of the most talented teams in hockey. Yeah. But most teams aren't that good, you know? And if there's suddenly this version of mediocre, I, I don't know. We'll get into it. I have a bunch of stuff
0: to open this, with. This game was... All, the, the Caps game was, I feel like, a new one because, look, I know that in theory... The Buffalo Sabres are better this year, but there's still the Buffalo Sabres. There's still the Sabres. Like, let's be honest, there's still the Sabres. The Caps are actually pretty good. They're not, like, a cup contender good, but they're, like, solid playoff team good. And the Flyers, for really about two and a half periods, just kind of took them apart. And I was yeah. like, uh, this torts thing is actually kind of working, huh?
2: Yeah, so... Yeah. I have a bunch of stupid shit to lead off with, and then we'll get into things.
0: Uh, First, I
2: believe I have solved, and by me, I mean one of my colleagues at uh, WIP and I, uh, who will remain nameless because our listeners don't like him, but he's actually like the nicest person at the station. Uh, I think we've solved the Flyers' ownership problem. Josh Harris sells the Devils, buys the Flyers and the Wells Fargo Center, and that fixes both the Comcast and the arena issue. No more 10th and Market. No more Camden. They just remain, the Sixers and Flyers remain at the Wells Fargo Center, and we no longer have Comcast owning the team. Problem solved. Time out. Two birds
1: stoned Time once. out. No. Time out. You think that Josh Harris is the answer to this team's problems? Why not? Because he's a fucking nightmare. Disaster is why not? Uh, they're all like, who, uh, who's the
2: not problematic billionaire out there? Who's,
1: they're all problematic. Who's this, so why? Who's but this? like, why is Josh Harris going to be the answer for the flyers? So it's we the don't answer break- for all of the other issues, but it's not the answer for the flyers. As
2: to not break up. The sports complex, which is much more... Oh, okay, so yeah. so
1: you're doing it for other reasons than the Flyers. Yeah. Because having Josh Harris as the owner of the Flyers does not solve fucking anything. Well, he's not Comcast. That doesn't solve anything. That doesn't mean anything.
2: It means Comcast isn't the problem. It means one of Ed Snyder's pals and one of fucking Bob Clark's pals isn't going to run the team anymore.
1: You don't think that Josh Harris can cozy up with some other rich people? Oh. You don't think that he's going to... Josh Harris is not the answer for the Flyers. Josh Harris is the answer for the Sixers.
0: He's not the answer for them. It means nothing to the Flyers. I just would rather not see crypto all the time during Flyers games. (laughs) Just just saying. Uh, Not not a big fan of the crypto. How does Scott Lawton
2: have 12 career goals against the Washington Capitals and no more than five against any other team? 16% of his career goals have come against one of 30 or 31 teams, whatever you want to call it, with, with Seattle and Vegas. But how is it possible that he just kicks the shit out of this one team
0: and is Scott Lawton against everyone else? I actually have an answer to this. Oh, I do. And this is my answer. Scott Lawton, as we know murder face you know he just has that vibe Scott Lawton if you remember in the final game of the 2016 playoff series against the Washington Capitals was stretchered off the ice by a I don't think it was a dirty hit but it was just a really
1: self around yeah
0: it was a really scary hit this whole thing is just Scott Lawton vowing revenge against the Washington Capitals ever since that hit
1: (laughs) it's it's completely He wrapped himself around the post. Like he that was a bad It was hit. real bad. It was actually one of but the also it was one
0: of the scariest moments because I cover that game. It was one of the scariest moments I've ever been in the arena for anything. I think it was that was up there, the time that I believe Michael Rothell passed out on the bench. And then the time.
1: Yes. Oh my God. That Neuver. was terrifying. Yeah. And then
0: the time Neuvert passed out in goal. And Neuvert. It, those are probably the top three. But like that play with Lawton, like I thought he might be paralyzed. Like it was scary as shit.
1: Yeah. And now. It was really
0: scary. He just. He
1: just I mean, that's a much better answer than what I was going to say. I was going to say that he's a comrade and hates Washington too. But that's a much better answer.
0: <laughs> I think it's all about vengeance. Pure vengeance on the part of Scott Lawton. I.
2: It's, it's ridiculous. He is. What Boston Scott is to the Giants, he is to the Washington Capitals. Uh, finally, I just want to shout out my buddy Frankie and say, suck it! Bill is the champion! Uh, did you so, win your fantasy league too? I
0: did. I finally yeah. did it. Champions. Been... I am as well. Won my title. Oh,
1: congratulations, I have to tell you guys. Charlie. Look at
0: us. Look at all us. Of Who would have
1: Charlie O'Connor is on a fucking hot streak right now. He is winning all of the things and it's really annoying. <laughs> I love it and I'm happy for him, but he is winning all of the things.
2: So, nine Not minutes. Not against me, though. So nine minutes cool. in. Well, we can I, actually I mean, get... most
1: of
0: our listeners probably know who Travis Hughes is, so took him down in the title game. Oh, Damn right he did. Good. Good. Uh, so, nine minutes in, we can get into the uh,
2: actual show. Um, like I said at the top, the Flyers have won six of seven, eight of 12. They shut out Buffalo who came into the game averaging four goals uh, per night. They beat the Caps, who had won 13 of 17 prior to Wednesday. They're now seven points behind Pittsburgh for the second wild card. How should I feel? Like, what? We we so badly wanted them to be horrible so that they could finally acquire that top-end talent because they can't afford it. Uh, They don't seem to be great at finding the diamonds in the rough in the draft. But suddenly, we're watching Travis Konechny ascend to another level. We're seeing Owen Tippett just rip fucking wrist shots, beating goalies. Noah Cates is uh, the new Sean Couturier as a 200-foot player. Like We're just seeing all these things transpire that give you hope. About the pieces on this team. How should we feel right now? Because I'm very torn. Like, I'm enjoying watching them play well, like Charlie said. But also, yeah, in the grand scheme, they still need to bottom out and rebuild. Like, this isn't a championship team, and there's no
1: path towards that. But this is kind of enjoyable. Yeah, so my whole philosophy on why I do what I do, why I work in sports is to tell people how they should feel like this is why we produce content. We're going to provide you with our insights, our analysis, our opinions, and then you decide how to feel about those things. That's why we don't take
2: callers. We're dictating. That's why
1: we don't take callers. Like that's what, that's why I do what I do and I don't have an answer for you. So like my, my big picture, right? My big picture is they need to be losing for the health and long-term vitality of this team on a micro scale, though. I want them to win every game because that's more fun. That's more fun, but they can't like, they should not be doing this. I, I love seeing the kids. Someone asked me last night if I'm, if I see a new core forming with therapy frost and um, it must've been tippet or, or maybe it must've been tippet. Um, and I was like, I kind of do, and I hate it. Like, I hate it. I don't think that Morgan Frost is a core piece to this team, but Farabee is. Like, not a core. I don't think they
2: have those core pieces, but they have that outer ring. You know, yeah. they have that, yeah. that, that yeah. next layer around, like, some what you build around. Typically, you'd want the core and then build around that. They need to... They started on the exterior and need to now build the inside. But it's... I, I just... It's
0: very confusing. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, I'll bring it down a notch here. Is that, do you, and, and look, I said in my intro, it's fun as someone who has to cover this team, who has to watch this team for a living, to watch them not be terrible and to watch cool stuff happen. That is that is great. And it makes my job personally easier because fans aren't as angry. They actually want to read stories in the team. And there's stuff to write about that isn't just like, I think I said a few weeks ago, it's hard to write articles about games when all the games are the same. Guess what? The games aren't the same anymore. That's great. However, this isn't good. for If, if your goal, if your hope as a fan is for the Flyers to win championships, this is kind of the worst case scenario in that they are yep. too good to bottom out, but not good enough to actually do anything. And this is what we talked about going into the year, which is you hire John Tortorella, he's going to make it so this team isn't bad. And guess what? They're, they don't look bad. They look like they're getting better. The Flyers need high-end talent. Now maybe, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the show, maybe Travis Konechny is one of those high-end talent pieces. That is, I, I'm not there yet, but I can't deny that that is now re-entering the, the That's re-entering the realm of possibility, which is damn cool. But they can't, like, the Flyers are not going to win a cup with Travis Konechny as their best player. Now, maybe they could win a cup with him as one of their top three best players, but he can't be their best player. And Cutter Gauthier looks good, but I don't think Cutter Gauthier is going to be a superstar unless he takes a massive leap in the next couple years. Like, he's not that now. He's not. He was on a team with a guy named Logan Cooley who would look significantly better than him in the world juniors, Logan Cooley maybe could be a superstar. Cutter go right now does not look like that. So they don't have that guy. They need to get that guy. They're not bad enough right now to get that guy in the draft. And they don't have a clear path to getting that guy or a few of those guys aside from just crossing their fingers and hoping they get lucky in the draft or, you know, another Johnny Goudreau decides he wants to be a flyer in the next couple of (laughs) years over via trade or free agency. And, I don't know if that's a real reasonable path to hope for. So, this isn't great. And and there's another thing, too, that is kind of the elephant in the room that, you know, it's not really, it's the elephant in the room, but it's also something that people want to talk about constantly. So, I'll bring it up because rewind the clock a month here. In December, when the Flyers were on that 10 game losing streak, I heard from people who I trust that are close to the situation that. Chuck Fletcher is kind of on borrow time here. That there was very little chance he's going to be GM next season, almost none. And for the first time, I was hearing that, like, yeah, this guy might not survive the season. And if the team keeps losing or the team gets on another skid, that Comcast might finally be willing to cut the cord here. Yes, that was an intentional pun. However,
1: yeah. Wait, cut the cord with the Flyers or with Chuck well, Fletcher? Well,
0: I was more, I said Comcast cutting the cord. With, with, with Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't okay, think Com- Comcast is going to sell the team. But.
1: Well, we started with selling the team, so I had to. Yeah,
0: I'm, that, that's so not even in my realm. That's To me, that's just a fan pipe dream. They're not selling the team. Yeah,
1: and, and, agreed.
0: Anyway. The fact that now the Flyers over the last few weeks are doing exactly what Chuck Fletcher hoped they were going to do. Like, this is the pathway for Chuck keeping his job. And I'm not saying this because I want Chuck Fletcher to lose his job personally, but I know most fans do. And this is how he keeps it. So, if you're, if what you want out of this team is for A, them to fire Chuck Fletcher, B, them to bottom out and get high in talent because that's what they lack. This is the opposite of the way that happens. So I think it is totally reasonable for some fans to look at this and be honestly, for lack of a better word, horrified.
2: (laughs) I, I fully agree that the long-term health of the team is at risk by being, you know, they're, what, one game under fi- Hockey 500 now, uh, by being this version of mediocre. However, since they basically told us... Now, you know, it's a retool, Charlie, et cetera. They didn't it's a retool, Charlie. Tools. Yeah, they didn't retool, but it's a retool. Um, <clears throat> since they basically told us through their actions that this year isn't going to be about adding superstars, whether it's in the draft or Johnny Goudreau, it's going to be about finding out about the players we already have. They're doing that, and it's going well. Like, if that's the point of this season, and find is. out about the players we it already very have. very much is. Was not just to keep his own job, but for figuring out that. Was Chuck right to just kind of roll with this team and, See how it goes. Like, maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't, but we'll find out finally about Morgan Frost. We'll find out finally about some of these guys who've been here a few years. Because when we say the kids, like, these aren't for the most part, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. We're talking about 23 and 24 year old guys here that we're finally finding out about because there's no one blocking them. They're here
0: and they're not injured. Sink
2: or swim. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're not injured. They they're the last men standing. They they're except, you know, Wade Allison came back, which was nice.
0: Uh but like was Chuck right? Was he, I I think that that's a really hard question to answer because like was he because ri- no, but was he yes. right based <laughs> No, is the answer. Like was he right based on if you're Chuck Fletcher and you've you've essentially fused yourself to the idea that this team doesn't need to rebuild. Then yes, he was right. Because they needed a year to stabilize and figure out if guys like Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee and Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski and Cam York and Igor Zamul and hell, even guys like Travis Konechny and Ivan Perovrov, you needed to figure out what the hell they actually were. So yes, in that framework, He was right, and in that framework, yes, they are making progress because not only have they discovered that some of these guys are good, like, yes, Travis Konechny is legitimately a very good player. Yes, you know, Noah Case looks legit, and Wade Allison looks legit, and Cam York looks legit, but you've also found out that, hey, we might need to find any way, shape, or form to get out of this Kevin Hayes deal, even if that involves retaining salary. We may need to just give up on the idea that Ivan Provorov is part of the solution here. We'll get to that later. So they are giddy. Steph is when you mention that they are learning things.
1: <laughs> you saw my face light up.
0: They are learning things, and, and in that sense, this year has been successful and has gone the way Fletcher has hoped. However, if you still take a step back and look at this team and yeah. say, "How do they get from being decent to being actually a cup contender?" then no, this hasn't succeeded, because that's still a serious question. Like, I, I look at this team Steel and I can...
2: underpants, step two, question yeah, mark, like, step three, profit.
0: Exactly. Like, like I can look at this team and see a path, a very plausible path to them being a bubble playoff team in the next couple years. If Sean Couture comes back and is still Sean Couture, if Carter Gautier is a that. top six player... You know, if if they make a couple shrewd trades, yes, I could see them making the playoffs and being a playoff team. I don't see, unless, like, one of their draft picks shockingly becomes a Drew-esque star, and the GM makes a couple amazing trades, I don't see how they become a cup contender. And that, I think, should be the goal. So, the answer is kind of yes and no yes. According to the Chuck Fletcher framework, this season is going the way he wants it to. However, I still don't see how you go from theoretically good to theoretically awesome.
1: Yeah, it's... And that's... I mean, that's exactly what I think, too. Like, was Chuck right? No. No, he wasn't. And I feel like the Flyers' front office has been relying far too heavily in the last decade on just make the playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. They like that's They've been relying on that way too heavily, which is why they've been happy just being a bubble team. They they've just accepted that mediocrity is fine because just make it, baby. Anything can happen. And I think that that, at the core, is the mistake of the franchise.
2: If this was, the you know, we look back now and like picks you know, three, four, and five were fucking awesome. Kyle McCarr, legit superstar. But going in, it was, you know, okay, here's Nolan Patrick, he's not a stud, but he's a, a good piece, and okay, here he sheer pops up and he's going to be a nice player for you. A good 2C, those two guys were supposed to be. But not a generational draft by any means. If this was thought of as the 2017 draft and not, oh man, uh, Bedard's fucking great and the top three are all franchise players, would it Would he be right in a different year, in different circumstance? Like, all right, since that's not worth it, tanking, because we're not going to get as much out of it, is it smarter to find out about what we have and go from there? And then suddenly we're going to have these pieces, we'll know whether they're good or not, and then maybe we can shed some salary like Kevin Hayes and Ivan Provorov and go buy somebody. And then suddenly we do have
0: the pieces we, we need. The, the short answer I have is yes, but not necessarily in the way you're thinking. Because to me, like, to me, one of the benefits of doing what they've done this year isn't even necessarily that, like, for example, and again, we're going to have a conversation about Connecting, I think, soon, but Travis Connecting, it's not necessarily, man, Travis Connecting needs to stay. He's the core guy. It's just as much man, if we would have traded Travis Connecting last offseason in an attempt to tank, man, that would look like a shitty deal now. Now, <laughs> if you want to sell him, you're going to get a hell of a lot more. And, like, you know, you could still be in a rebuilding mentality while emphasizing rebuilding the value of some of the players that you could then trade to rebuild the organization.
2: So let's get to TK here. Uh, what's, what's
0: up, Steph?
1: Well, it's just that if that was the plan...
0: And it's not, to, to be clear. see what
1: we have...
0: Like, to be clear, it's... the.
1: Am I muted? I'm not muted. Their no, plan no, is... Muted.
0: No, I, I was just jumping in. Like, to be clear, the, their plan is not to, like, improve these guys so they can trade them. Their plan is to improve these guys so they can improve.
1: Right. So, like, if that was the plan, see what they have and, and be competitive they should have got Johnny Goudreau. Like, that is negligence. Chuck Fletcher was not right. Like, nothing that he did this offseason was signing Johnny Goudreau, who wanted to come here at a discount. Imagine this team, as they're rolling right now, with Johnny Goudreau. We would be having a completely different conversation. I
2: do think that's basically the 2016 team. Like, he's Giroux. Konechny is Voracek. And, like, you have a decent goal. Yeah, maybe. that's, that's They're basically no 2016.
0: Defense. Yeah, maybe. But but if you look at it now, like, like what was the big thing that Chuck Fletcher told us in the offseason as to why they couldn't get Goudreau? It was basically, it was, fit too, the it was too hard and we couldn't clear the cap space. Well, you know. <laughs>
1: it's so you know hard with, to be a general manager of an NHL franchise. It's so hard.
0: You know who he could have traded to clear the cap space. I'm not talking James Van Riemsdyk. I'm talking Ivan Provorov and he didn't. And now he's finding now they're out gonna do it anyway. uh, he, they're going to do it anyway. And they're going to sell fuck. low on him anyway. So it's like, well, if you would have had the vision to be like, we need to cut bait with this guy. Now you could have done that and replaced him with Johnny Goudreau. I, I you
2: just put me in a, I was in a <laughs> with Charlie. And then I connected those dots as you were putting the lines yep. between them. And I was like, son of a bitch. No! No!
1: <laughs> we should have gotten rid of I Ivan just, Provorov like, two seasons imagine, ago. Just
2: imagine, the, like, the Provorov and and money, that's one Goudreau and, like, yeah. another guy. Yeah. Like, another shit guy.
1: One Goudreau and one extension for Claude Giroux. <laughs>
2: there you go. Oh, I'm good on Giroux. Um, I, I
1: know. Like, there's a whole lot of things that he could have done to make this team better this year, and he didn't do it. Chuck Fletcher was not right. That's all I want to say. Chuck Fletcher was not right. And
2: that's, like, I'm asking this question, and it's, you know how I always say, even if I disagree, if I can see your logic, at least I can go, okay, it's a plan. I obviously know he doesn't have a fucking plan, because look at what this team is. (laughs) Noah Noah Cates is the one, he's the (laughs) one C. Like, they, there's no... Listen,
1: Noah Cates is awesome, but he has no... I like team. him a lot. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's a a
2: real nice piece. I can't wait till he's a third-line left winger on this team. Super-duper. Right now, he's your 1C, and he's not a center. Like, you know, there's no
0: plan, and that's
2: obvious. Or at the very I'm least, he's not a first-line
0: line center. Maybe he's a center, but it would Maybe. be like a third-line center. Maybe.
2: You know, we, we've had a lot of guys we've called third-line centers who were like... Yeah, maybe, but they're actually, they're like fourth line. Whatever. Yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to debate Noah Cates. Good for him. Happy he's getting his experience. Hope he's around a long time as the next Scott Lawton or whatever. Cool. Uh, T.K. Now, Travis Konechny. Last week we came to the conclusion that although this is nice, what's going on with him? And while maybe no, he's not your next G. Maybe he could be your next Voracek if you wanted to hold on to him. Ultimately. It's probably for the best still if we were to trade him for a big old haul considering the season he's having. We are at game 42 for the Flyers, just one game over the halfway point. Konechny has now tied in 36 games played. His career high with 24 goals with his hat trick last night. He's tied for the seventh, seventh highest goal total in the league. He's top 10 overall. He's scoring goals and points at a better rate then Kaprizov. Uh,
1: do, you, do you still want to trade him? I never wanted to trade him. I never wanted to trade him because I think it is heartened. He is he is a flyer. I made a joke when the season started to Kelly. I made a joke that Travis Konechny was going to have a huge season because he's got a baby at home, and he's a baby himself, so he's going to want to be at the rink all the time. I, I That was a joke that I made. It's going to be his... First, I'm not comfortable being a father, so I need to dedicate myself to hockey season. This is his golf. And I just... <laughs> this is his golf. Yes, this is his golf. <laughs> I just think it's, it's funny that it's playing out that way. I don't actually think that Travis Konechny hates being a father, but it was a joke. I don't ever want to trade him because you're going to need a player like Travis Konechny if it's five years from now. Is it best for him but- and his development? Nope.
2: Five years but, from now, Travis Konechny be, is going to be 30, right? Exactly. Yeah.
1: That was what I was going to say yeah. 30.
0: He'll be 30. I, I think. What is he? He's. Yeah, he's 25. 25, 25 going 26 on 26. 26 in March. Yeah, he's 25 going on 26. I think. I mean, look, I'm going to hold to what I said last week, which is the fact that it would hurt so much to trade Travis Konechny now is probably the best justification for why they should trade Travis Konechny now. Yeah, that said, I mean, I'm it. not rushing. Like, I wouldn't trade him at the deadline. Like, you know, if you're going to move him, I'd move. I try to drum up a market and sell him for as much as I possibly can in the offseason. But, yeah, this is the epitome of a sell high. Like, this is, this is what you do when you have a guy who turns 26 in March, who is up for a contract when he's 28. You're like, you have two more years after this of, even if this is the real Travis Konechny. And I wrote a story on the athletic.com today saying basically like, we need to ask the question. If this is the real Travis Konechny, if actually what happened, which seems plausible is the 2019, 2020 version of Travis Konechny was a real legitimate breakout. Then He got stuck in his own head because he didn't score a goal in the weirdest playoffs ever, came back into one of the weirdest seasons ever, and then the team fell apart, and then he just kind of got all screwed up, and now he's basically just picking up right where he left off before everything went crazy. That could be what happened. He might actually be not 20 points in 10 games good, but like legitimately point per game good. That might be this guy. And that's really freaking cool, and I am really happy for him. However, you've only got two more years of Travis Konechny dramatically outperforming his contract while he's in his prime, and then you're going to have to give him, if this is really Konechny,
2: Nine million bucks,
0: a massive contract at age 28, and that's right around the time when like the team is hopefully starting to turn the corner, but there's not going to be like, at age 28. The Flyers aren't going to be a Cup contender. They're going to be like, you know, maybe they're making the playoffs, but they're just like one of those like they're the Kings, where it's like, "Hey, they're a fun team. Maybe in a couple of years they could be a great team." That might be where the Flyers are when they have to re-sign Konechny, which means then by the time he's by the time the Flyers are maybe a great team, then he's 30. And then you're looking at the bad years of his contract. So from a timeline standpoint, it still makes more sense to sell high on a guy who is playing out of his mind good right now and probably is having a career season. So as much as it kills me because I love what I've seen out of Connect this year, and I'm coming around on the idea that this might really be Travis Connect my negative view of where the organization is right now still tells me that objectively— it makes more sense to sell high on the guy.
2: Well, since it makes more sense to sell high on him, he is the next captain.
0: <laughs> I still think it's going to be Lawton. He might be. I, I think Torts
2: loves, It'd still be Torts
0: loves Lawton, it be Lawton so much, I think Lawton's the guy.
2: I just, like, I see, you know, yeah, maybe that 2019-20, but this version of Konechny, the guy they have killing penalties, this is, this is the John Tortorella creation. Yeah, like this could be his next great success story. Like you said, this could be his Cam Mackinson. Yeah, exactly. And the, I think that's how they're viewing to it. Score forty some goals. Like I, I have, and I'm gonna say, like I have trouble letting go of TK. And you just said that's what makes it a good idea, and I agree. I know. I just, man, we've been waiting for something to call our own for so yep. long. Yeah, and we have it, and he's not having a career altering back surgery or he's not (laughs) 34 years old you better knock
1: uh, on wood right now he's not 34
2: years old and is on an expiring contract like he's he's here and it's happening and but yeah they they do need to do it let me think like this offseason do you think opening night next season Travis Konechny is a Philadelphia Flyer. Like, yes. not what they should do, yes. what yes. they will
0: do. I think they are absolutely going yep. to keep Travis Konechny. I think the smarter thing would be to trade him. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Torts loves the guy. I think, you know, regardless of whether Chuck Fletcher still has his job or not, I, I think he's staying. I think they're just going to like him too much, and I just don't see it. I think it's just, and and you know, to be totally honest with you, like as much as I think it's the smarter move to trade him, like I'm not going to rake the Flyers over the coals if they keep Travis connected because I get it, I get it. You know what? You you, you suffered with him, you, you you believed in this guy. You didn't trade him when everybody said you should. When people on Twitter acted like he was just like pawn scum for a season and a half, <laughs> pawn scum, like. I get why you're just like, you know what? This guy is a freaking flyer. I want him to retire as a flyer because he just screams Philadelphia and everybody loves him. I get it, and I'm not going to begrudge them having a little bit of sentimentality here. That said, I still think the smarter move is to trade him.
2: And when just – when you look at all of the assets that Holmgren and Hextall uh, – how much they put into the draft? How much stock they put into the draft? All these guys, and none of them turned out. Farabee, okay, and that could still go. That could still go well. Um, he's your maybe one success story from this era, and now he's going to be gone. I was just going to
1: say, he's a Hackstall pick, and they he kept all of those, all of those, uh, draft picks just to get us Travis Konechny. Like, that was a success from Ron Hextall. However, I don't trust Chuck Fletcher to get the appropriate return for him. Like, there's a whole, well, that's di- fair. A whole lot of layers. That here. is
0: fair. And, and that's a point that, that some people have made. A lot of people made that, and I think we're going to talk about this guy after we take a break, but when I when the, the rumors this week started swirling about Ivan Provorov, one of the most frequent comments I got when I wrote my story about why it kind of makes sense for them to trade Ivan Provorov. It was, I agree with you. This makes sense. Chuck Fletcher can't be the person who trades Ivan Provorov. And it's because Chuck Fletcher has, has lost the, the faith of the entire fan base at this point. No one trusts him anymore. Although, and we'll
2: get it just as an aside. Um, Jeru trade looking maybe not that bad. That's fair. Yeah. That's all looking to. But no, I bad. don't trust him. And like, I want him fired. So, but I'm just saying. And I also, maybe like, it in could
1: fairness, work. in fairness to Chuck, which I hate that I'm this person, but in fairness to I Chuck. I can't believe
0: you just said those words in that order. I,
1: I, I know. Um, he is not 100% the only person calling the shots in the organization. There's, I mean, I gotta believe. (laughs) No, I I just. The tribunal. That's, that's as much as I'm going to say right now. There is a tribunal that is directing Chuck in, in various places. And he listens, which is his responsibility and his fault. I have,
2: we've, uh, you know, maybe uh, he's just an imbecile, uh, but I have to believe he's somewhat smart. And he know- it's not him that doesn't want to rebuild. Now maybe it's him too. Maybe he agrees, but his directive is to not do that. Maybe that he shares that, vi- that. Maybe he shares that vision. Uh, but it's not like Chuck goes to whoever and says, "No, no, 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 you're wrong. We need to keep this thing going."
0: Like that's not. What's I, going I think. Let me put it this way. I think Chuck Fletcher's hesitance to rebuild is less about the intelligence of the idea of rebuilding and more about the self-preservationist knowledge that if the Flyers rebuild, Chuck Fletcher ain't going to be the guy who does it.
2: Which, yeah, okay. And we've talked, we talked about that quite a bit last week. We have to take a break. We're close to like 40 minutes already, and we're a third of the way through this outline. Um. I want to do the Provorov stuff on the other side. I'm making Steph wait through the break to get to Provorov because she's been, like, jumping out of her skin to do it since we started. So, uh, commercial, and then Provorov and all that stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome back, fam. Uh, So, if you're the least bit plugged in to the Philadelphia Flyers, Flyers Twitter, the hockey world, you know that on the 32 Thoughts podcast, the consideration of trading Ivan Provorov, a change of scenery, a parting of these uh, two... a parting of the parties. I didn't want to say that, but here we are. Uh, (laughs) That there's going to be a divorce at some point, potentially in the near future, um, on the 32 uh, 32 Thoughts pod. It was said everything is on the table over the next 6 to 18 months, which is quite a time frame uh, six to triple that months uh, but it makes sense because we know they're not close and they're gonna have to continue well, to
1: six months from now is the draft and the trade deadline and then 18 months will be next year's draft yeah. and ta- trade yeah, deadline. so it makes sense I
2: yeah. yeah. uh, just like it's it's gonna this is a long-term process whether you want to call it a rebuild a retool figuring the fuck out whatever Over the next 6 to 18 months, everything is on the table, and when I first read the quotes, I was like, how are we in the just realizing this phase? And then I listened this morning, and it was more, like, they know, but that's the time frame of... When you're actually going to be able to make moves, now you can do it whenever there's no law against it, yeah, uh, but that's kind of when things will go down, especially bigger moves. I guess you could trade like we said, you could trade TK in season, but why? I think you'd get more form in the playoff or in the postseason or off season. Third try is a charm there. <laughs> uh, uh, like <sighs> what the fuck is going to happen with Ivan Provorov? It, I asked, and we all kind of think he's, that Travis Konechny is going to be a flyer to start next season. That seems like a real low-end
0: possibility with Ivan Provorov. I think he's on the way out. Um, so to so kind of to give some background on this, this whole thing kicked off, I started hearing things on Sunday. I think this is around the time that Elliot Friedman started hearing things, too. There was a rumor that went around that Mark Gandler, who is Ivan Provorov's agent, was in town to talk to Chuck Fletcher about Ivan Provorov. Now, I chased that down. I basically reached out to both parties. Both parties on the record said that wasn't true. That 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 while they talk regularly, that Gandler did not come to see Chuck. Now, they might be lying. I'm not going to take that at face value, but like that was what sparked all this. However, the more digging I did, it became clear that there's smoke here. That basically what it boils down to, I don't think this is as simple as Ivan Provorov has told the Flyers, I want out, trade me. I don't think it's that straightforward. What I do think, though, is that Ivan Provorov has made it clear via his representation and probably via himself that there are a lot of things about this situation that he don't like. One such thing is that, yet again, He's not getting regular power play time. Another thing is that he doesn't think this team plays a skilled enough game. He doesn't think that they are a forward-thinking, on-ice team. Number three is that, quite, he's not quite frankly, he's sick of losing, which, you know what? I get. I totally get that. Same, bro. And then the unspoken thing that I don't <laughs> think he brings up, but that everyone knows, is that He's not exactly Mr. Popularity in that locker room. No, we've been
2: hearing that for quite some time.
0: Yes.
1: So. And other teams know it. Fully
0: aware. Everyone's aware. So, I think this is just getting to a point where Provorov is clearly not that happy. Not to the point where he's like, I'm demanding to be traded. Like, this isn't fucking Slapshot, trade me right fucking now. But
2: yes, Charlie, yes.
0: he doesn't love it here. And the Flyers are at the point where I made this this point of comparison in my article on overall earlier this week. The similarities and parallels between Konechny and Overall are striking that they were drafted the same year, they made the NHL the same year, they both had their apparent breakout season in 2019-2020, they, they followed it up with two underwhelming seasons, and the Flyers, rather than look to bottom out, This offseason, which probably would have involved trading both Proveroff and Konechny for futures and basically being like, we're going to suck. We're going to trade away our top of the lineup, guys, and we're just going to suck. They didn't do that because they're like, we want to give these guys both one more look. Well, Travis Konechny looks awesome. Ivan Proveroff looks the exact same as he's looked the past two years. And I think the Flyers are just like, if it's not working under Tortorella, I don't think it's going to work under anybody because he's had so many coaches. This is just what he is. He's not happy here anyway, so why don't we actively look to try to maybe find him a new home? That's where I think this is at right now.
2: Is, and we're going to get to more serious stuff, but was Matt Niskanen the best player of all time? <laughs>
1: He must have been like, like at this point. This motherfucker he must was have Bobby Orr and no Jesus one knew it. on It's it's astounding. It's astounding I, how how good he made Ivan Provorov look.
2: Now, uh, um, Provy will turn twenty six on Friday, January thirteenth. Uh, his birthday's coming up. He's got the rest of this year and two more at I think six point seven five mil. He set, just looking back over the roller coaster we've been on with Ivan Provorov, set a career high with over uh, half a point a game in the pandemic-shortened 69-nice game season in 2019-20. His rate has fallen in each of the last three years. It went from uh, 0.52 to 4.6 to 3.9 and now 3.4. By expected goals, and maybe this changed last night. I think I did it before uh, the most recent game, but it, it was up to date before that. Expected goals for a percentage. He's the Flyers' sixth best defenseman in that statistic 42.5%, uh, trailing York, who's almost 50, Sealer, who's almost 50, Braun, who's about 49. Sandheim was about 47, and Rista in at 46. He's below all those guys. Now, we know he plays those tough matchups, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, usage uh, plays but, a role. But it's not great. Yeah. No, it's real bad. He's on the ice for, like, way more expected goals against than four for a team that's, like, breaking even amongst their other defensemen. He's the worst.
0: I mean, even look at last night's game. You know, the Flyers were real good last night's game, but they were two big mistakes. One, Carter Hart bailed him out. The puck hops over his stick and Alex Ovechkin, Alex freaking Ovechkin, gets a breakaway in the first period. Hart makes that save. Then, in the third, they're up 4-1, and Provorov just, like, passes the puck in the defensive zone to the other team. What the fuck?
2: Was He should be on the half wall in the power play. Maybe that's the spot for him. That was a great centering pass. Found the man right in the slot. <laughs> just happened to be goddamn the other team. Would no one, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen something that egregious. Like truly, directly passed it to an opponent in front of his own net. It wasn't like a tip pass or anything that went awry. He just passed it to him. I don't know if I've ever seen that. It was real what? bad. Like, is he—is he trying to—like, did he do it on purpose? Does he hate the Flyers that much?
0: What happened? I don't think—I mean, I certainly don't think that's the case. However— No,
2: I don't actually I, think that
0: happened. However, I mean, look, a lot of these these issues stem from the fact that Provorov doesn't— like, he doesn't respond well to criticism. He never really has. And he makes mistakes— that he doesn't really think were his fault, and that's part. I don't of the, know who's that could be. But but like <laughs> like compare this. Compare him to Konechny again. Konechny yeah. talked about first Tordorel talked about it yesterday, and then Konechny talked about it even more about the fact that like Konechny wasn't scoring goals. It was real frustrating to everybody. Konechny it was real frustrating to him too. So what would he do? He met with Danny Briere and the analytics department, did a ton of work into why the hell I'm not scoring goals. And guess what? Lo and behold, he's scoring goals again. Ivan Proveroff, I don't think, has that same kind of like self-awareness to recognize that he's playing this poorly. And that's a problem. And I actually, I still believe in his talent. I think, just think he's in desperate need of a change of scenery. I don't think it's going to work here.
2: Now, when you say you believe in his talent, uh, he's right now playing the lowest uh, time on ice he has since his rookie year. He's not that 26-minute guy anymore. When you say you believe in his talent, do you believe in his talent as a... Not maybe not one, but top pair defenseman, or as more of a role player? Yeah, like, I would say,
0: I think what he needs, his ideal situation would be, he gets moved to a team with a clear-cut, no doubt about it, bona fide number one, who, like, even Ivan Provorov can't believe he's better than. And then, he can more naturally settle in to the role he should have been playing all along, and then play on a team that wins games so he generally doesn't feel like he has to do everything which he seemingly feels like he has to do now and hopefully gets him a better partner which for all the criticism we give Ivan Provo the Flyers have failed miserably oh, at getting him a partner it's been an embarrassment I mean Chuck Fletcher thought that Tony D'Angelo was a good idea to give him as a partner yeah that's I boring. don't want
1: to talk about that that's
0: it's, real well. it's
2: wild, and this came up on on 32 thoughts like is it him or is it the organization? Like we can throw all the criticism in the world at Ivan Provorov, and it's mostly deserved. Uh, the, the answer to that question is yes. It's yes. Both. Yeah, that's like
1: it's both. We can. It's, it's six of one and a half a dozen can, of the like, other. It's we can. Like
2: we know he's got the attitude problem. We know he makes the mistake. All the shit is true, and also he's at least a good player who they have not helped. Yeah, I will have to 100%. laugh though. I will have to laugh though, like. Claude Giroux must hear, like, oh, Ivan Provorov thinks he has to do everything, and just Giroux must sit there and laugh. Like, oh, I did it for a fucking decade. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: they gave me Michael Roffle, Join the goddamn club. Uh, <laughs> I was an MVP candidate. I just uh, think it's just, I, I, I think the Flyers see the writing on the wall here. He only has, just like Kinect, he only has two more years left on his deal after this one. And I think they realize that, like, even if the Flyers viewed Ivan Provorov as highly as Ivan Provorov views Ivan Provorov, what's clear is that Ivan Provorov isn't that happy here, and if he's not that happy here, why would he re-sign? And if he's not going to re-sign, even setting aside everything else, if you don't think he's going to re-sign in two years, why not move him now and get something for him?
2: Yeah, like They're not going to be good, like, okay, get these two years out of him, why? They're not going to be good, like yeah, exactly. even, Like if he if he rebounds to become the player we think maybe is still in there, what's the point? And, like and okay, that makes them that makes them two games better.
0: And, and you know? you've got other guys, like like look, I know the big argument against trading Provo for years has been, well, who's going to take his minutes? Look, for Who the last for the last two years, I've, Ivan Provorov has been. A number three caliber defenseman who's been a number one just because they don't have anybody else to take the minutes. Travis I could do that too. Like, do I think Travis Sanheim yeah. will mm-hmm. will thrive as a number one? No, but he can at least do what Provorov's done the last two years. Again, Noah Cates is the one C. This shit don't matter, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and none of it matters. And, and, this and then I'll, yeah. I've go ahead, I've just been beating this drum for like two years now. Ivan Provorov is not a number one defenseman. He's got really bad attitude problems. If, if we're trying to revitalize this team, he's got to go. Yeah, He's got to go. And the biggest problem facing Chuck Fletcher is that the other teams in the league know that he's got an attitude problem. They know that he's a little... Not not necessarily an attitude problem, but they know that he's a little whiny and a little bit of a piss baby.
0: They know, at the very least. I don't even know if I would like. I think Provorov has some self awareness issues. That said, I don't know if it's an attitude problem so much as like other teams know he doesn't work here. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like I think I don't think he's looked at as a guy who like. Well, man, if we bring him in, he's going to be a malcontent. I think other teams just look at it as well, he's not clicking personality wise in Philly. So why are we going to like toss Chuck Fletcher a life preserver? It doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah. Because that's the way the NHL works. It. Does God it? God damn it. It doesn't when, seem when like, does like does it does for Chuck. When does the collusion I ever mean, work? Why some... can't we be the team that benefits from the collusion? God <laughs> damn it.
1: Like, you yeah. know, send him to Nashville. They've done okay with trades with the Flyers. Send him to Nashville. Have They've been. got a lot of defensemen ahead of him, so maybe. But yeah, maybe. going back
0: to the, the situation in the depth chart, like, okay, so you get rid of Provov, you move Konechny up into that role. You have Cam York, who Same at the time. very least looks like a, num- like a second pair defenseman, And then you've got Igor Zamula and Emil Andre that are kind of coming. Like, there is a logjam here. And one thing that I was told when I was doing the digging earlier this week on the off situation. And I'll be honest, I've even as a Travis Sandheim fan, I have been very critical of the contract extension he was given because I think it's batshit insane to give him an eight-year It's deal. fucking ridiculous. I still hold to that. However, what I was told was that the willingness to give Travis Sandheim that contract was absolutely linked to the knowledge internally that Ivan Provorov probably isn't going to be here that much longer, and while it doesn't make me like the contract, it does make me understand it a bit more.
1: And from what I was told, that's also that was also the impetus. And I've said this before for the wrist alignment extension.
2: I just have to. But that was last year. You know, we talked about with TK. You know, the number of misses and like parting with one of your actual success stories. And I just have to think, remember when the future of the blue line, they, they drafted Shane Goss' bear in 2012, Moran and Haig in 2013, Sandheim in 14 and Provorov in 15. So Provery's on his way out. Haig was traded for Risto. Moran's retired Ghost got traded for literally nothing. Less than nothing, and San- actually. And Sandheim's um, going to be here for a decade. Like, one out of five. <laughs> Not even just turned out. Just still part of the organization in like a month.
0: Hey-o. It's
2: truly the way this thing played out. Like, thinking about, you know, we went, I, I went back and listened to the archives when we were getting ready for that 300th episode. My God, Uh, I'm glad there's no time travel, and I can't go back and tell that Bill
0: and ruin his fucking next five years. Like
2: I'm glad. I would. I don't. I can't
0: tell him. You know what we should do? Because I've seen these types of YouTube videos where it's like, like basically like having a conversation with yourself before the pandemic. Like you have like post pandemic self talking to pre pandemic self. And like, well, all these great things are gonna happen. It's like, yeah, you you sweet summer child. I would love to do one of those videos for the Flyers. <laughs> like, have like, you know, 2023 Bill talking to 2017 Bill, and you can dress like 2017 Bill too. Like, that'd be fun. I'm dressed like 2017. That's Bill true. Right you now. really haven't changed your your wardrobe. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. I'm right.
1: pretty sure my the shirt that I'm wearing is from 2017. Honestly, I would um. probably
0: have the biggest shift because I've I've shaved and changed my hair and lost weight. So the hair looks great. I miss the beard. Um, I miss the beard.
2: So I-, I wanted to really, the the Provorov stuff, and I've listed just, like, all of the notable defenseman trades that I could think of off the top of my head, really. We don't have to, like, go through them because that's pointless. Look them up, people. Uh, but just to get an idea of what a realistic return for Ivan Provorov could be, like... We're talking about the idea of trading, uh, selling high on Travis Konechny because, man, he's on pace to uh, you know, score a million goals. He's already reached his career high. What could we possibly get for Ivan Provorov at this depressed value now?
0: You know, this is something people have asked me this. I haven't dug into comparables yet. I really yeah. haven't. I haven't had the chance. And it's real hard. To, to me, that's a separate article because it's a unique situation. He's got two more years left on his deal, so he's not a rental. Like, a lot of these guys that you that you brought up, you know, Risto was a rental. You know, I, I'm trying to think who else. Like, Seth Jones was a rental who they then immediately signed to an they extension. They had to give him that, con- yeah. Like, Tony D was a restricted free agent. Like, these aren't... Apples to apples comparisons. I'd have to go back and see what an apples to apples comparison would be. Like Niskanen is kind of an apples to apples comparison, except Niskanen was a lot older. That's the yeah, only. He's thing. ten years older. <laughs> yeah, he was a lot older. So, like, that's a big difference. So, I don't know. Like, I'd like to think that if you get some teams in the bidding, like, look, the fact that you got a first round pick for Ristolainen, just because he was a big minutes guy who hit a lot as a rental. Like I'd like to think you could at least get a first for Provy, right? You'd have Has to, think, to be right? Like it's Like is defensemen the... are so valuable, man. It's I mean totally
2: different. Like when you're talking about comparables, but the Giroux future first a conditional pick
0: player who might be something. Like is that a framework? I could see that. I I think it uh, it all a lot of it also depends on like who is interested how many teams are interested what kind of market like what i said on twitter is that i would generally want futures i would be willing to do like a like trade pro overall for an under 23 guy who has high upside but hasn't quite clicked and like some people are like well can you can you trade for like lafreniere no like let's 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 pull back a little bit on expectations here but there are guys like I'm talking, like, the way that, like, Kevin Fiala was in Nashville. Like, that's the type of dude maybe you could get back for a pro for all. And then Fiala explodes in Minnesota, and now he looks like a real, real good player. Maybe you could find one of those guys for Provy.
1: I wouldn't hate that, and I I don't think that that would be a bad return for him. I also haven't looked into the comparables or, or even what's going on with other defensemen in the league. Comparable
2: finding comparable defenseman trades was tough. Also, maybe it's just because I'm, you know, Philly centric here. Uh, but I looked up a lot of shit. Like, 80% of the notable defenseman trades are Involve the (laughs) Flyer.
1: Beautiful. Of course.
0: And the blue line Um, is fucking horrible. They've tried. They've failed, but they've tried. They
1: sure have tried. (laughs) (laughs) They've tried poorly. Like, they weren't even good, except for Niskanen, apparently. And
0: and honestly, the Ellis trade was good. It just ended up being a a great
1: trade
2: it just (laughs) turns out yeah when you get a great player for two bums it's because that great player's body doesn't work (laughs) there's a reason they gave him to you for nothing because he can't play uh i know we're working on a little time constraint with steph if you have to bail bail but i want to get to the goalie stuff while you're here um so i talked about the uh the shutout the samuel airson Shuts out the Buffalo Sabres, who were averaging four goals a game. How about
1: that for him?
2: Four goals a game, they came in, uh, averaging highest-scoring team in the league. It was the Flyers' first shutout since November of 2021. Uh, Like, absolutely freaking insane. Four of the last five Flyers' shutouts have come against Buffalo, which is very crazy. I mean, that makes Uh, sense, because Buffalo's been
0: bad for so long.
2: I'm just, but like... And the other one was against Arizona. These are just horrible teams. Wow, yeah, right. uh, it's just funny that they've had five in the last three years and four of them are against Buffalo. Uh, but Ursan, 23 years old, he's 4-0-0 with a nine twenty four save percentage. Obviously five games, not exactly a huge sample, but he's looked real good. Felix Sandstrom, down on his conditioning stint, he has looked good for the Phantoms. He stopped 83 and 90 shots in three games in Lehigh Valley. Carter Hart, though, and happy birthday, Felix Sandstrom, turns 26 today, January 12th. Uh, Carter Hart, 24 years old, we know how he started the season. First eight games, 6-0-2, 946 save percentage, one game with a sub-900 save percentage. Last 22 games, 889 save percentage, 15 of those 22 he had a sub-900 save percentage. What is Hart
0: doing? I think he's been fine, like honestly. He's been fine, I, 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 I think he that, hasn't been... To me, it's just that, like, people didn't quite understand just how unreal oh. he was to start the year. Like, the Flyers still give up a lot of scoring chances. And, oh, yeah. And, like... His save percentage, while it doesn't look good over the last twenty two games of first glance, my guess is that his expected save percentage is around that point. Like the Flyers give up a lot of bad shit. And right now he's just been fine. And
2: also look around the league.
0: Everybody's Save percentages
2: more. are down. Everybody's scored a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Save percentages are down. Like it's not like, okay, everyone's at 912, the some good ones are at 918, and there's like five guys over nine twenty. Like it's not that. It, like there's there's some real bad goaltending going
0: on, or a lot of real good scoring. I, and I, I, Bill, just, I also I agree with the point you made about are they working him maybe a little too hard? Because that's what I wanted to get to. I do think that there is. This is based on the conversation I've had with Torts, and kind of what I intuit is his sort of approach to Hart. There have been a couple times where like Hart has has had a bunch of games in a row, and I will add, I've asked Torts like. Do you think you're using him too much? And Torts kind of bristles at it. And he's like, you know, I think, you know, when goalies read that in the media, they can start believing that they're they're tired, but they're not actually tired. Well, what invariably has happened after I've asked that question is that then, a game later, he's sat for a little bit. And then, lo and behold, he comes back and he plays better. I think this season, in part for Tortorella with Hart, is Tortorella figuring out just how far he can push Hart before Hart gets tired. And I think that's probably hurting Hart's numbers, but it's giving Tortorella more information about Hart, and that's more important to Tortorella than figuring out what he has in Hart, because he already has decided he has a good one in Hart. I think that's what's going on here.
2: And that's... uh, When I say, you know, the, the point of this season is figuring shit out. It apparently wasn't about winning, so they didn't go and, you know, get Johnny. It wasn't about tanking and getting high-end draft picks because they're not doing that. (laughs) It it was about figuring out what you have, and with Hart, we know he's good. We know he's at least good. You know, maybe he's a star, maybe he's just okay, like, good starter, but figuring out if he's that 65-game workhorse or if he's a 1A, you know? And personally, at this point, I'm thinking, what's the reason to push Hart? But... Thinking big picture, we—if he's a guy who's been banged up and hasn't had this opportunity, he gets these bumps and bruises and nicks and cuts along the way. It's good to know before we give him the franchise goalie contract that he's gonna play fifty games, not sixty-five. You know, does that
0: make sense?
1: Or maybe we don't break down his joints prematurely. It's a fair
0: point. It's actually a legitimately fair point.
1: Maybe we just don't lean on the future goaltender of the franchise when there's no point to winning yeah,
0: games. Yeah, there, there's an element to that where, like, there's only so many games a goalie can play before he breaks down because it's an extremely demanding physical position.
1: And we've seen it happen with all of our goaltenders, every single fucking game. It's a one. reasonable point. What?
2: Well, you didn't like starting Brian Elliott every game the month of December? Uh, oh, God, you know, I forgot about that one. I did not. Never forget. I did Never not forget.
1: appreciate that. I also did not appreciate when Anthony Stolars was leaned upon and then got hurt. Like this is this is a trend and I don't want to see it happen with Carter Hart. I mean, that's it. There's no reason to be playing so hard in these games. We've got two backups. We need to figure out what they are before we figure out what Carter Hart well, is. Like, we know. we know He's going to be fine.
2: He's going to be fine. And I think we know he's at least good, like I said. But this is more a Twitter talking point than I think reality. But is there a possibility they believe
0: Ersan is as good as Hart? I think they are. So the short answer is no. But like also goalies are weird so you never know. I think you they don't, Yeah, yeah I, I think they're real high on Erson. I really do. Uh, so the way he apparently prefers to be called Sam, not Samuel, and the okay. correct way to pronounce his last name is Erson. So Sam What am I uh, saying? You're saying Erson. It's Erson. Erson.
1: Sam Erson.
0: That is his preferred pronunciation of his name. All right. Um, Fair enough. I am very much... And this, this shout-out goes to Olivia from the Inquirer. I really want people to, uh, to... to for Number one, for Erson to be real good. But then, for him to be so good that we start putting up shirts that can say, I'm an Ayrson person. That would be awesome. Love that. Great pun. Anyway, I think they're real high on Erson. I do. I, I think that they believe he could potentially be a starter in this league. Um... And he looks great so far, and Torts loves him. So he's very much in the mix. Like The tough thing is I think they also like Sancher. They like him as a backup, and they're afraid they'll lose him on waivers. That's why they did this whole— Is he getting claimed? You know what? I don't think so, but I guess you never know. And they don't want to risk it. But Areson looks legit. He looks legitimately like a good goalie. And he's— this shouldn't come as a major surprise to anyone who was paying attention to what he was doing in Sweden. I mean, the guy had a historically great year a few years back in the second tier league, in the second tier pro league in Sweden. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one. It starts with an A. Anyway, then his last year in the SHL, yeah, if you looked at his save percentage, you're like, ah, it's like a nine ten, not that great. His team, Brynas, was fucking awful. He was the like. He was the only thing keeping them from giving up eight goals a night. They were so bad. And if you actually watch— Was
1: that Oscar Lindblom's team? I
0: mean, yeah, it was, but he wasn't on that team. He, that was long after Lindblom came Just over. Just the club? It was the club, like- yeah. No, the yeah. club. The, club. the, yes.
1: the, the yes. name, yes. that's all I'm yes, asking. So it was.
0: Um, they were awful. The, the amount of quality chances they were giving up was truly mind-boggling and Ericsson was keeping them in games. He was one of the best SHL goaltenders that season. So it really shouldn't come as that much of a surprise that he's a good North American goalie too. It's just that he was hurt all last year and that ruined his season. Basically, he was to that Swedish team what Carter Hart
2: is to the Flyers. Yes. Like, oh, yes. numbers not great and it's like, "Oh, they'd be fucking horrible."
0: Yep. And they were <laughs> bad. They just would have been like, yes, they'd like, be truly the worst. like never yeah. win a game bad without him
2: uh i want to get this bobby brink thing in so he's with the phantoms he's healthy he's back he's working his way he's back, back working his way back uh
0: he's played two games and he's scored a goal in each when's he coming up yeah at some point i mean he just came back
1: i'm not concerned
0: that he's at the very least got to like work himself back into true physical condition to be able to stand up to the NHL, given the fact that he's already small as shit. Um, but I mean, he'll be up. They like him five a lot. eight one sixty five. He's a wee little guy. He'll, he'll be up. It's just, I don't think he's going to come up tomorrow. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, and I just, I ask like, I want him up now. Cause I want to watch Bobby Brink play. He's yeah. like one of the things that was exciting coming into this season. He looked pretty good last year in his 10 game stint, four assists. Um, they have so. Speaking v-
1: of small little guys, sorry, I'm cutting you That's off. Fine. I heard that the youths are now calling Joel Farabee Gumby because he's just a small little guy. And I like that. Well, because
0: that. he's so skinny.
1: Because <laughs> he's so skinny. Love it.
0: Love that. The youths. Oh, wait, when you say the youths, do you mean the youths as in the Flyers use or do you mean the youths on social media?
1: The youths on social okay. media, not the Flyers. That youths. works. No, his friends are not calling him Gumby yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs>
2: There's only one Gumby, and it's Clay Conjury, goddammit. Um, I forgot That's about I that one. Only I called him that, because his name was Clay. So it's like, obviously so Gumby. Yeah, a little um, made of Clay. There you go. I forgot about the that Flyers one have both. The Flyers have so many wingers and, like, no centers. Who would come out in a brink call-up situation?
0: Got to be McEwen? I mean, I guess. Or they'll just wait Allison, until somebody gets hurt. I mean, yeah. wait hey, that, Wade Allison. Which, that's know. inevitable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the next injury.
0: Oh, poor Wade. Should be
1: coming no. next week, the week after. We're close. No,
0: the, no, but you're right. You're right, Bill. The Flyers have a lot of wingers, and this will be the perfect time for an extremely creative GM to come up with a solution here. And that was, like, don't
2: they have to trade someone at some point just to, like, create a lineup that makes fucking sense? Yeah, you would think, but... <laughs> I just, it's unbelievable how little this guy does. I wish, uh, bye, Steph. Steph has to leave us. We okay. only have a few minutes left. I'm keeping everyone here hostage because I finally have things to say about this fucking hockey team. Uh, Like, what? Charlie, you sit there and write, like, fucking novels about a team that has played the same game over and over for two years, like it's Groundhog's Day, And uh, I commend you for your effort. The general manager does nothing. He literally does fucking nothing. He doesn't negotiate, obviously. He just hands players whatever contracts they want. Oh, no trade, fucking eight years, whatever you want. Like, uh, what
0: what does he do? I do think that, I mean... There have been a couple times, I will grant him, where he's done some creative things. Like, the the Voracek for Rackets deal, that was a creative deal. The
2: conditioning stint
0: for Pro- Sandstrom
2: is genius. Pro-
0: props to you, Chuck. That was a creative deal. I did not think you could get out of Voracek's contract while still getting back a useful player. Now, granted, now he might never play again, so who the hell knows. But, you didn't know that at the time. I respect that move. However, there have been a lot of players where... Chuck has just kind of made the decision just to kind of keep kicking the can down the road. And in fairness, with Travis Konechny, it seems like that's worked. With Ivan Proverov, it seems like that's backfired. But the 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 one common thread here is that Chuck, given the opportunity to make a decision on a player, he has generally chooses not to.
2: Like, he just... It, it, I've never seen at least... You can criticize former GMs and I do non-stop. At least they did something. Maybe it was you know, butt fucking stupid, but they did something. He just waits, and then the player eventually has a career-ending injury. Like that's that's it. Those the decisions are made for him by God. Like oh, that's God. That's all, the only decisions that ever get made are, like, and he needs next surgery.
0: That's it. They have no centers. And even that takes, like, <laughs> what, an extra four months?
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: like, oh, yeah, he'll be back. Oh, no, actually, he passed away. Uh, we didn't even know. We didn't even know for three weeks. I- I'm just baffled. Like, and this is all stemming from the Bobby Brink situation. He will be up, and I can't wait, because he's one of the guys I want to find out about. He looked fun last year. But, like, there's not a spot for him. <laughs> they're playing at defense. I don't know. like, Just positionless hockey, baby. There's just so many goddamn wingers. No centers, and no one's doing anything about it. Speaking of one of the awesome wingers, though, just real quick, that fucking Owen Tippett goal last night. Oh, baby. Duke can shoot. Oh, baby. He can shoot Remember when that we puck. were like, if these pucks ever start going in, they're going in. They're going in all right. It's real fun. This is something that I know it's one of those times, Charlie, where I have to ask you a question that I know the answer to, but it's asked of me and I am the representative of the people. I was real happy about the Kiefer Bellows claim. Now it looks like maybe he's just no good and that's fine. You found out. That's what this season's about. Finding out shit. Yeah. I thought that was a nice move. You lose nothing. It's a waiver claim. Eli told gets through waivers, gets to a top 10 team in Seattle. That means if you take Nashville out of the equation, he got through like 21
0: teams. Um, how's
2: that possible?
0: Yeah, I mean, I get why people are, are frustrated with it. The reason is simple. The Flyers just couldn't have signed him. They didn't have a contract spot because they claimed Kiefer Bellows. It's funny because I believe, I want to look up this real quick. I want to look up the timing here. Because, so what, he was placed on waivers on December 11th, so he was claimed on the 12th. So then, that was when that happened, and yes, so that happened on December 11th, December 12th. Then a week later, the Flyers did open up a contract spot because Lucas Sedlak quit the NHL. Oh, God. so had lucas quit a week earlier maybe they could have claimed daily tolada
2: yeah i just i thought it was funny and it's uh, the only reason i you know because we've we were told he was ours and then it was morgan frost that's the only reason i even care and he's very clearly Um, a better player
0: at least than keeper Bellows.
2: three goals two assists in six games with seattle um they just like the roster is at 23 they're maxed out at 50 contracts i understand it's just something that has been asked of me a couple of times i thought i'd do it you got anything else here charlie
0: no i think we kind of ran through pretty much everything about this team they're they're at least interesting again there's stuff to talk about it's all i asked we just
2: did they actually have shit to talk about which is it's something content baby uh and if you want Some of this content, all you got to do is hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom. Broad Street Hockey, flyperbole. Post games whenever they become regular again. Maybe next week. I got some time. I actually got some time coming. All right, yeah, that is all the time we have for you this week, though. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. I already did the podcast spiel, but hey, subscribe to The Athletic. Do it. Yeah. It's good shit it's good shit alright my name is Bill Mats. for uh Kelly Wasn't Here for Steph for Charlie have a great week everybody are you ready to talk about